Open your Bibles with me, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, that King James Bible in your lap, by witty invention or in print, that God has given us. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 4. As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is none other God but one. For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, but to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. I would say that our lives are wrapped up in our one God and Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, according to the testimony of this text. They can follow the imagination of their minds, those that even claim any religion at all, with the idols of this world, but we have one God and our Father, and He and we in Him. And what a blessing that is in this text. Of whom are all things, and we in Him. We are part of the family of God, and we are in Him as His sons. Today is Father's Day, and we thank God for our fathers, and we especially thank Him for good fathers. Because what a difference a father makes, and what a difference, a greater difference, a good father makes. A father's value can hardly be overstated as lives that I get to witness every day of my life show by the dysfunctional habits and thinking of men without fathers or with poor fathers. An honest assessment of the social protests and violence today made by the intelligent and honest ones among them will show a lack of fathers in the home as being one of the greatest causes of the problems in our nation. Even if your father has departed this life, you can thank Almighty God for the one He chose for you. And you should. If your father is yet alive, then you can and should honor and thank Him for all the good things He did. If this man God chose to be your father, taught you God's truth and wisdom, you owe him much honor. We owe ours much honor, my brother. And I am so sorry that he could not be with us today. And I trust that all the men of this church know how hard it is for me to follow the guidelines and desires of our rulers. We are one of the most aggressive churches in Greenville County. And I beg you to make surveys of other churches and see how many of them have continued on live stream while we have taken as many into our assembly as possible. 
but I had to turn my father away today by their judgment, not by mine. And my father, seated with one of my sons this day, following this service, your two sons in this place honor you, thank you, praise God for you, and we love you. Fathers, are you the nail for your family tree like Eliakim? Or are you like Shebna? And you should measure yourselves by spiritual value that you provide your children and family. But we want to raise our consciousness higher today. Amen. We want to raise our consciousness of fathers to a higher level and praise God for being our Father. He chose the relationship of father to son as a way of describing and conveying his affection for us. He also chose husband to wife. He chose master to servant and other relationships to convey benefits and duty. But today we focus on him being our father. His choice to adopt. Why would he adopt? He was infinitely and inherently and eternally happy. His choice to adopt and not merely justify and reconcile sinners is a fabulous facet of salvation. The gavel did not come down and the courtroom go silent and be emptied of its occupants with justification. Our counselor approached the bench and that judge held counsel with him by covenant and said, I will not only justify and reconcile these sinful rebels, let us adopt them. I will adopt them. Will you be an equal heir with them as I share the universe with them, with you? Yes, Father, I come to do thy will, and I will give myself for them. And so we have the drama of the ages, the drama of heaven, in our adoption as the sons of God. To consider the infinite Lord God Jehovah loving us as a perfect father is hard to grasp, hard to believe, and hard to preach. Enhance your consideration more by seeing your sonship close to Jesus' sonship to God. My brother mentioned it in his prayer that we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ of God and of an eternal inheritance. That's an incredible position he's put us in. The difference between God and us is great, but the difference between Jesus and us is not great because he's made us equal heirs with him, joint heirs with the Son of God. This drama is glorious, and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Does it affect you? Does it affect you daily? Do you want to give this God glory for adopting you? You know, I hope that we want to give him glory if he hadn't adopted us. Because he's worthy of glory if he didn't save us. But since he did save us, we should be doubly motivated for his greatness and for his kindness in that order. God is the Father of Jesus Christ, but we will use instead the verses for God as our Father. If I were to add the verses 
that include God as the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, we would increase the size and con of this content greatly. God is the Father of Jesus Christ. But Jesus must reveal the Father to us as part of the works of regeneration and revelation. Look at Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 11 and verse 25. Matthew eleven twenty-five. At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father. That is the coronation and promotion of the Lord Jesus Christ. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Our older brother takes delight in showing us how great our mutual Father is. Glory to God. What a statement. And so today, he has charged me to remind you of how great he is and what we can do for him. Without the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ, we would not be the sons of God. He is the yea and amen of our sonship. This is not an exhaustive study, but rather a short and simple sampling of concepts and verses of Scripture for praise and duty. The first service for praise of His relationship to us and the second service of duty of us toward Him. Our church's 40th anniversary came two weeks ago, and we know God our Father has greatly loved and favored us according to the many descriptions that we will give Him today. It is your privilege with me to imagine a perfect Father and to exalt the true God Jehovah far above that as your Father. Because He is far better than any perfect Father that we can imagine. And any perfect father, we must imagine, because we've never met a perfect father. Except one, and that's God our Father. And it is your privilege with me to seek and to learn the character and conduct God desires and to be His delightful children by being the best that we can be for Him. Let's be the best children that we can be for Him. David was one of those children. And David could appeal in his life. And today is not Mother's Day. But I will tell you that David could appeal to God his Father to remember his mother, God's handmaiden. Because he did so. Here we go. God toward us. I trust that those of you at home followed the instructions and have printed for yourselves a, a five and a half by eight and a half piece of paper with two columns on it. And we're going to deal with the first column in the first service and the second column in the second service. And all those of you here should have it as well. And let's get started with it. In Ephesians chapter 1, we have the first description of God toward us. God as our Father is our subject for today. God is our Father, but we want to learn what that means. God as our Father. Number one, 
Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you say to me, you just broke the rule that you assigned yourself, oh no, I didn't, keep reading with me. And see that if it doesn't add Him as our Father to being the Father of Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. Wonderful verses. Adoptive choice is what you may put on your little piece of paper. Adoptive choice. God made choice by His will for the praise of the glory of His grace to adopt us to Himself through the purchase price of the Lord Jesus Christ. Adoptive choice is how we are the sons of God and how God is our Father. In Romans chapter 8, in Romans chapter 8, verses well known, I hope they're well appreciated. Verse 28, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. So this is God as our Father, and how it originated by God's predestinating purpose. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called, and whom He called, them He also justified, and whom He justified, them He also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And chasing a rabbit for 10 seconds, I hope that nothing in the news can ever change this verse to you. If God be for us, who can be against us? There is no one against us that counts or matters. Verse 32, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. God our Father justified us in order for us to be conformed to the image of His Son, that Jesus Christ might be the oldest brother in a great family of God among many brethren. Saving purpose is what we want for number two. Saving purpose, or B. We are to be conformed and glorified like His Son. And I have other verses that can be raised or used for these concepts, but let's just rejoice in them and see if we can finish on time. Number three, in Isaiah 43, and I'm not even going to turn you to it, I'm just going to say these words. I gave Egypt for thy ransom. And so it's sacrificed others. God our Father sacrificed others for us to be His children. There are vessels of mercy, those are His children. There are vessels of wrath, those are rejected from being His children. And that is all there is in this world. Vessels of mercy, vessels of wrath. Vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. And so C 
is sacrificed others for us. In Psalm 27 and verse 10, it says, When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. He is a superior father. Superior father is D. Our God is a superior father. Because it says in Psalm 27 and 10, When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. But it also teaches us in the book of Isaiah that we read recently and studied, in verse 16 of chapter 63, Doubtless thou art our father, though Abraham be ignorant of us. And Abraham was their father. And Israel acknowledge us not, though Jacob was their father. Thou, O Lord, art our father, our redeemer. Thy name is from everlasting. And so D is superior father. And he is. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. And let's learn another feature about our father, which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 9. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Believest thou this? If your child asks something of you, and I want to tell you children something, most of you don't ask enough. You don't appreciate your privileged position to be children of fathers in this church. I won't say any more. The fathers will be after me at break time. I say it to the children to appreciate their privileged position to know how far they could go if they were to ask. We will not give you a stone. But how much more will our Heavenly Father do for us? And so, He is a superior helper. As our Father, point E, He is a superior helper. He exceeds any earthly father's loving response to our requests. In Psalm 103, verses 13 and 14, which I do appreciate very much personally, and I use in my prayers with the Most High, my Father, it says, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. He remembereth their frame that they are dust. He has merciful pity for us. For F, merciful pity. He remembers our frame. He knows that we are dust. And so he pities us like we pity young children in not asking of them more than they're able to bear. And he does not ask more than we're able to bear. He will provide a way of escape to every temptation he brings in our lives because that text of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us he is faithful. But God is faithful and will not tempt us above our ability. I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4, and I hope you appreciate this one. We're working on point G on your little outline. I guess that would be number 7. Exodus 4. 
Exodus chapter 4 is going to involve Moses and Pharaoh. It must. I hope that you'll remember these words. The Lord cheered my heart this week. I don't give the world more than a few minutes at a time to talk to me about what it thinks. Especially right now, with the three Ps. The pandemic, politics, and protests. But this verse, I, I enjoyed and I hope you will. This is the one, brother. Okay. Exodus chapter 4, and verse 22, God telling Moses what to say to Pharaoh. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. Amen and amen. I went from a moment of despair to a moment of punching the air in thinking about this text of my God and Father comforting me. I will kick their fannies. Mark your calendars. I love this text. And for G, furious revenge. Our God and Father is such that we need not fear any bully or any scorner or any enemy or any name calling against us because look what he said. Israel's my son and they're my firstborn. You let my son serve me or I'll kill your son and your firstborn. And he did it. And it was every single family in the entire nation of Egypt, along with every beast family, animal family. Praise God. That's the father we have. Love this father. And you say, well, that's the Old Testament. Then you don't know your Bible very well. Because in Revelation chapter 6, 9 through 11, the martyrs are under the altar of God, and they're crying out for that kind of vengeance, for their blood to be avenged from this earth's tormentors of them. They want blood shed for their blood. This is our Father. They know. Listen, when you're glorified in heaven and the spirits of just men made perfect, their prayer is perfect. And God did not say, you shouldn't pray so harshly against your enemies. He said, we just need to get a few more murders here, then I'll do it. That's what he said. This is the God of the Bible. And he's our Father. And you don't need to fear anyone, especially something in, your, in the dark in your bedroom closet. I think back to being a very young lad. And so let's keep moving on. In Matthew chapter 6, and I hope that you read it last evening, did you find a few occurrences of a father in Matthew chapter 6? Did it reach double digits for you? Good. Because our Father in secret see it's whatever we do in secret. If you don't think your worship is very powerful, if you don't think you personally are very valuable to God, just go into your closet and say a few words of praise to Him, and your Father sees in secret, and He'll reward you openly. You know what the problem is. 
we don't go in our closets enough. And you don't need to go into a closet literally. You can be in bed. That's my favorite place because there are no interruptions or distractions. And so for H, we want secret observer, which would be number eight. He knows and rewards your private worship. What a God. What a Father. We don't have to make a big deal in public. In fact, he said, I don't want a big deal in public. I get nervous when I see a big deal in public that you're doing it to be seen of men. If you'll just give me a little bit in secret, I'll see it in secret. I don't miss a thing, and I'll reward you openly. What a Father. What a Father. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 26, Matthew 6, 26, we have these words. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? God is telling us through Jesus Christ, His Son, because the Son is revealing the Father to us. Are you with me? The Son's revealing the Father to us. Have you ever thought about the fowls of the air that they don't sow fields and neither do they reap and they don't use barns, but your heavenly Father feedeth them and aren't you worth a lot more than fowls of the air? In chapter 10, the Lord Jesus Christ would reveal the Father this way in verse 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for revealing the Father to us. So he is a faithful provider. Number nine, or I, is faithful provider. He considers you much better than the birds, and look at how he takes care of the birds. In John chapter 10, Jesus had this to say about his commitment to the sons of God. John chapter 10, beginning at verse 28. And I give unto them eternal life. They're called sheep in this place, the sons of God. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. And so we have certain security. Certain security is number 10, or J. Nothing can alter God's purpose to save us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Certain security. John chapter 14. Now I preach this to you, and I have mentioned it at other times. I find this so extending of our understanding of God and salvation to blow up the practical phase far more than we used to. John chapter 14 and verse 21. 
Jesus taught his apostles in those tender hours between the Last Supper and his arrest, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. And verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, that is Judas, not Iscariot, who asked a question, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. So number 11 is responsive love. Love and obedience to God get a response. You may love others in this world and not get a response or even get a negative response. You may love and serve and never be honored like others in your department where you work. But when you love and obey the God of glory, he responds with greater love. He loves you back with greater love. And Jesus wanted us to know that about him. So it is responsive love. Draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto thee. He responds. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11, tell us about chastening and say a lot about it. But it's also taught us in Proverbs chapter 3. In Proverbs chapter 3, I'm going to read it from Proverbs, verse 11, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son, in whom he delighteth. So when we find a great father who delights in his son, and a father that delights in his son is going to chasten that son, we can know that we have found a little symbolic representation of God's faithfulness to us in chastening us. So it is called loving chastening. Loving chastening. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. These are descriptions that the Bible wants you to know about your heavenly father. Let us not just pray, Heavenly Father, and then go off in our needs. Let's remember this being and how much He loves us and how much that adoption is more than just a theological or soteriological concept. That adoption has real aspects to it of this God delighting in us as His children, and He calls us all together a family. A loving chastening. And there's more verses for that one. In James chapter 1 and verse 17, Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from above, from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning, as we sang in one of our songs about His faithfulness. He is an unchanging giver. An unchanging giver. There's no variableness in him. And all he asks in that first chapter of James, that pure, he defines pure religion this simply. Visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and keep yourself unspotted from the world. That's pure religion. To, that's pretty easy. For a God that says of himself, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from him. 
No one else has given you a gift like he's given. And there's no variableness with him. He is an unchanging giver. He's there every day for us. We just, do you know what he says? You have not. What does he say? You have not because he changes, because he's stingy, because he wants to give us a stone for a fish. Why don't you have? Because you ask not. That's what he said. That's our father. What a loving father. And do you know how he wants you to think of how much it binds him to have to give to you? He, I'm going to quote it again. It's Romans 8.32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? And so he lets you know what's binding him. And that's the gift of his son for us. So he's an unchanging giver. That's M. I go to prepare a place for you, the Lord Jesus Christ said. And he wants to reveal the Father to us. How did he reveal it in that place? Anyone in live stream land? In my Father's house are many mansions. The Son reveals the Father. How would you know what it's like where God lives if the Son didn't tell you? In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And so many mansions belongs on line 14, where Jesus has gone to prepare us rooms in his house. John chapter 14, that was many mansions for number 14. In John chapter 14, Jesus explains to his apostles that he is leaving them, and they should not grieve over the fact, but realize that it is expedient for him to leave so that he can give them a permanent abiding presence of God, not only with them, but in them. Because Jesus wasn't in them, Jesus was with them. But he's going to leave the Holy Spirit to be in them. And so John 14, 16 puts it this way, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, and not go away like I am after three and a half years. Or verse 26, the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Chapter 15 and verse 26, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And so for number 15, we have constant comfort. The Holy Ghost is God with us and God in us, and He is called the Comforter, so we have constant comfort because of our Father, which art in heaven. In Matthew 11, which I've already read to you, let's call number 16 divine knowledge. If it wasn't for Jesus Christ helping us with a divine revelation of His Father, we wouldn't know Him. Knowing God the Father depends on Jesus. God sent Jesus to reveal the Father to us. And I've shared some verses with you, and I think you may read verses now in a little different way of Jesus revealing the Father to us in many of the things He taught in the Gospels. 
And then remember, whatever Paul said, Jesus taught him personally. And so they're revealing the Father to us. Just, just think about it when you read the Bible. Because we've been taught that from Matthew 11, 25 through 27. And without that divine help, we would not know God our Father. In Romans 8 and verse 15. Romans 8, 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Translated and untranslated. Father, Father. Doubled up for emphasis. We don't have the spirit of fear like there was under the Old Testament. We have a greater manifestation of the presence and love of God toward us through the Holy Ghost, so that we have the spirit of adoption. We know we're sons. We know God is our Father. And at times we can just cry out, Father, Father. I hope you do it. And so we have divine affection. Number 16 was divine knowledge. Number 17 is divine affection. Loving God the Father requires the Spirit. And it's the Spirit of God's Son, the Holy Ghost, that comes into us and reveals love toward the Father, that we know we're the sons of God. This is in Romans 8, 15, and it's in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 6 as well. Galatians 4, 6. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. In Matthew chapter 18, let me start in the New Testament and then go to the Old on this one. Matthew chapter 18. I know this is simple. Sometimes simple things are better things. Matthew 18, 10. Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. That's Matthew 18, 10. And verse 14 even so it is not the will of your Father, which is in heaven, that one of these little ones should perish. And other, con- other cross-references tell us these little ones were younger ones, not infants so much, but younger ones that believed on Him. And so they have a Father in heaven and angels that are always there on their behalf to see their Father's face where the Father's face can send them on a mission to deliver them from anyone abusing them. That is what is implied and taught here by our Father in heaven. But I want to read to you from Psalm 68 as well about this point. Psalm 68, verses 4 and 5. Sing unto God. Sing praises to His name. Extol Him that rideth upon the heavens by His name, Jah. And rejoice before Him. Why? Why should we rejoice in this God? A Father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in His holy habitation. That is why. Because He's a Father to the oppressed. He's a Father to the weak. He's a Father to the poor. It is called regarding care. He regards those on earth that are poor, that are oppressed, that are weak, that have had 
acts of God in their lives and he cares about them. Regarding care of persons unable to protect themselves. In John chapter 16, the Lord Jesus Christ taught this, and he also taught it in John chapter 5, John chapter 8, and other places. But in John 16, I'm going to use John 16, verse 26. Jesus to his apostles, after my resurrection, at that day ye shall ask in my name. They had never prayed in the name of Jesus. I hope you remember. And I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you, because it's not necessary. For the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me, and have believed that I came out from God. I came forth from the Father, and am come into the world. Again, I leave the world, and go to the Father. For the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me. Honor rewarded. Number 19, honor rewarded. When you honor God's Son, God will honor you because God loves His Son. And so it says, The Father Himself loveth you because ye have loved me and have believed that I came out from God. Do you see how all this ties together? That when we believe that Jesus is God's Son and we love Jesus as God's Son, God appreciates that honor for the Son that He loves and He will honor us for it. And that's taught in more places than this. John 17 and verse 20. Neither pray I for these alone, and that means the apostles. Neither pray I for these alone, Father, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. And what is that glory, if you can remember what I painstakingly taught you in a very slow, un-Isaiah-like way when we went through John 17? Sonship. Praise the Lord. Someone needs a QT run. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. If the Bible wrote it, I will read it, and no one should think it's redundant because I'm not done. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Personal unity is point number 20, or T. Jesus prayed that the Father and he and we would be one. Are you kidding me? Do we have the counselor's words in counsel with his father, praying, Father, 
as you are in me, and I in you, and we are one, I want these that believe on me to be one with thee and with me as we are one. Praise the Lord. And that has been settled from eternity when we were chosen in Him. And it will be just as true in future eternity. And it shall never be altered that we are one with our Father and one with His Son, even Jesus Christ our Lord. As they are one, we are one with them. Unbelievable. The angels are not one with them. The angels are our servants because we are the sons of God and they are the servants of the sons. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.